Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Yep, I'm back. It's another week. I'm excited to be here as always. This is Tyler Chef. I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this episode, I'm going to teach you how to make $150,000 doing absolutely nothing. You're sitting there thinking, dude, did you start buying marijuana stocks? No, Tyler didn't buy marijuana stocks. Tyler probably would never buy marijuana stocks. That's a whole other story for a different day. It's just not my gig. Maybe the former law enforcement officer in me keeps me from doing that. Regardless, not going to get on that debate. I want to talk to you about literally making $150,000 doing absolutely nothing. And I'm going to tell you a story today. I'm going to keep it short. I know you're busy. you got a lot of stuff to do. You're getting ready for Turkey Day. You're trying to figure out how to scrape together your nickels because you're going to join the next edition. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the next edition of the Mailbox Money Mastermind Group Coaching Product. This time, we're going to have Jill Chef, my other half, is going to be joining us in this training. We're kicking off the first week of January. Um, I need you to register soon. I'm going to keep the group small again. I like to keep the group small so that we can focus on each one of you individually, even though we're in a group setting. So far, this second session has been amazing. It's it's even better than the first session. It's been absolutely amazing. If you're interested in that, you're ready to take things to a new level. You want 2019 to absolutely kick ass. You want the benefit of having both Jill and I at your disposal to help you do deals, to walk you through the process, to teach you how to raise money, to help you with your investor identity, get you networking, get you marketing, teaching you how to structure deals, how to find opportunity, how to negotiate, and more importantly, how to get through due diligence and get to the closing table and learn how to buy real estate and how to make that money without having to use your own money. Here, the thing is, the people in the Mailbox Money Mastermind, the group coaching product program, they don't have to worry about, I don't have enough money to invest in real estate. They also don't necessarily need to worry about, I don't have enough time, because one of the things that we teach in the program is to help you learn how to manage your time more effectively. This is going to be a very short window of opportunity, ladies and gentlemen. As you're hearing my voice, you should be heading over to MailboxMoneyMastermind.com. That's MailboxMoneyMastermind.com and get signed up. If you want to get on the phone with me, when you go over that landing page, you'll have the opportunity to make an appointment to get on my calendar to talk about it to see if the program is a fit for you. Now, let's get on to making 150 grand, shall we? I'm going to tell you a story about a property that you've heard me talk about before. And I love talking about this property because it's been my, it was my first multifamily and it was my first home run. I love this thing. It just continually spills out cash. It's, it's like an ATM machine. It's unbelievable. And that is the little fourplex that I own here in Florida that I live in. And I bought this back in 2014. I, I bought it with a VA mortgage. So I had a zero down. Did a closing cost, but I explained to you guys in a previous episode in my case study um, how I got the the revenue together to covered a closing cost. That was basically renegotiating with the title company, the lender, getting the uh, I had a friend of mine throw his real estate license in the ring, therefore generating a commission from the seller. I used that that commission. I he had gifted it to me to help help offset the closing cost, renegotiate with the seller directly. Long story short, walked out of closing when we bought that thing with a check for, I think it was 1700 bucks, something like that. Anyway, um, if you want to see that case study, you can go to cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money to watch that case study. It's like four, a couple videos or one, two videos walks you through the process of how I did that deal initially. So let's get on to step two of this. 
So I got paid to buy this thing, right? I walked out of closing with a check for 1700 and some change. Still have a copy of that check somewhere. So I got paid to buy it. That's awesome. I rent credits and some other stuff coming to me. So I got paid to buy it. And that was my first step into the multifamily space. Then I renovated it. We had to do some renovations, put about 40 grand into, into renovations. It was literally a pumpkin orange with brown trim. It looked like a giant pumpkin or with a UPS driver wrapped around it. It was terrible. So we, we did the renovation, my wife and I, and with the help of some local professionals and some local non-professionals, but we got the renovation done, got it re, re-rented, uh, raised the rents immediately, which raised the value, right? Then we decided that we, of course, we wanted to raise the value even higher. So we had to do a little different set of renovations. Part of that included furnishing and whatnot, which I'll cover here in just a second. But I want to cover the first thing because you're going to say, well, that's great, Tyler. You can buy no money down. This is all great and dandy. But you had the $40,000 to do the renovations. Uh, wrong answer. I did not have the $40,000 to do the renovations. Okay. So I was able to borrow the $40,000. I will say this, all, full disclosure, we did use a credit card, dumbest thing I've ever done, but it turned out okay. Use the credit card to finance the rehab. Here's the thing, folks. Don't try that at home. Now, I had other resources coming in, other sources of revenue coming in from sales and marketing that I had done. So I knew I was, I got the money coming. I had some, I had some real estate commissions due. I'd wholesaled a couple of properties, but most importantly, how I really made the bulk of the money, ladies and gentlemen, is I labeled myself as a professional negotiator, which I am. And I went out there and started negotiating deals for other investors and other homeowners. And here's how I worked that out. So you, you want to buy a house, let's say for 200 grand, that's all you want to pay. And the house is listed at 220. Since I know that most people don't like to negotiate, I understand that I know for a fact that 99% of realtors don't like to negotiate because they're shy or whatnot. They don't teach negotiation in real estate school. I offered my services as a professional negotiator. And here's what that looked like. I would go in and negotiate your deal for you. And for me to negotiate that deal, I got 50% of whatever I saved you. Now, some people said, forget it. And I said, okay, enjoy paying more. The smart people said, that's a great deal. That's, I'm all over that. So what I did is I used that as a, as a way to generate some quick revenue. And literally in about 45 days, I managed to rake in about $40,000 in fees just negotiating deals for other people. As a professional negotiator, I didn't have to sign contracts. I didn't have to do anything. And actually, the time I bought this, I did not have my license was not active. My real estate license, I had... Uh, let it expire when I was working for the government out at sea. I mean, you don't need a real estate license in the middle of the ocean. So I let it expire. Long story short, I let it expire just long enough that I had to go back and repeat the whole class all over again. That was no fun, let me tell you. Anyway, in the meantime, there's no law against being a professional negotiator, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, as I learned from Larry Harbolt and Pete Fortunato and people like that, I don't pay attention to any laws that I don't agree with. So there you have it. <laughs> I went out and provided a service. I negotiated a deal for other people, made myself a nice chunk of change. You know, bad boys, bad boys, what you're going to do? Bottom line is I provided the value and I got compensated for it. So who cares? Anyway, because I added value, I was able to pay off that credit card debt in 45 days. So my interest payment was very minimal. I mean, I'd already made like half of that in the first 30 days before the, the, the bill even came in. So I was able to avoid all the interest. I got that all paid off. Now let's fast forward to fall of 2017. In the fall of 2017, that's last year, for those of you that uh, are trying to wonder when that is, fall of last year, there I am deciding that we want to look at what the value of the property is. We're going to do some 
some changes around here and, and we want to do some improvements in the property and we wanted to see where we fall with everything right so we went ahead and did a uh, cash out or cash out refinance with the VA and we found out that at that time that the property now mind you I paid $215,000 for this in, in 2014 that's $215,000 in 2014 in 2017 it appraised at $380,000 using the comparable sales method. And you're probably asking, gee, Tyler, if multifamily is tied to the income, the value is tied to the income, why did they use comparable sales? Well, it's because I'm dealing with a bank, aka pretender lender, as P. Fortunato will call them. And banks, when they do an appraisal and they're going to loan money on a four unit or below property, it's four units or less, they will use comparable sales. Now, if you're dealing with a person with a brain, they tie the value to the income, okay? We're not using people with brains. We're using banks. So the bank appraised it at four or $380,000. The appraiser did. And the income method, they appraised it at $429,000. So that's a pretty huge bump, folks, from $215,000 to $429,000. That's insane. That's It's doubled in value in that two years. That's kind of crazy. Not quite doubled, but close enough. I mean, that's amazing, right? So we took a uh, cash out refinance, did some, a couple improvements around here and invested the rest in more properties. Now those other additional properties, that's a tax for, first of all, I want to identify that's a tax free payday, ladies and gentlemen, that's a tax free payday. And that's not even the payday that I'm talking about in the $150,000 is the name of this episode. So that payday right there, I think we pulled out maybe about a hundred grand, bought some property, and did some improvements around here. So we all that money became value-add fund, funds, right? So it's income, or it's money that came into our lives that we did not have to pay taxes on because it is borrowed money. So you ask the next thing you're saying is, well, who's paying the bill? Well, the good news is my tenants are paying the bill. So I use this property as a short-term rental. Two of the units out of four are used as a short-term rental. Therefore, increasing the income exponentially, this thing is an absolute cash cow. Recently, Jill and I decided that we need to move out of here because we are in the way. We are holding back our ability to make probably $2,500 a month off of the apartment we live in if we just simply move out and short-term rental it. So that's what we're going to do. We're moving out of here because it's costing us money to live here, essentially, because we're blocking ourselves from profit. If you can believe that, I know that sounds crazy, but that's that's the honest deal. So, you know, we've appraised, let's say, it. Uh, let, we use just for low numbers to be conservative. We'll use the comparable sales method at $380,000 in the fall of 2017. Just had it appraised again and it appraised, get this, at $530,000. That's by the comparable sales method. $530,000. That means it's appreciated in 12 months. It's gone up in value $150,000. That's insane. On the income method, it came in at $624,000 for a four-unit building. Part of the reason that that number is so extremely inflated is because we make so much profit off of it. I gave the, uh, the, uh, the short-term rental spreadsheets and the profit and loss to the appraiser. He calculated the income method, used gross, gross rent multiplier, came up with like 629 or 624 thousand dollars as the appraised value now the average american unfortunately would run right to the bank and in that case do a a va cash out uh, refinance again but that, you got to look at the numbers 
you got to look at all the math to see if that makes sense, if that's financially worth it. Now, the deals that we did with the previous cash out refinance, there's what they call a, a VA funding fee, and that's usually 3.3% of the loan amount, 3.3%. So of the first mortgage, which we took, I think it was 325, something like that, um, we didn't take all the value, but 325,000 times 3.3%, the first VA funding fee on the last mortgage was $10,000. A lot of money, right? That's the cost of, of borrowing money. And there's a couple thousand dollars in closing costs. So let's call it for easy math. Let's call it 13 grand. So that 13 grand was the cost of doing the transaction a year ago. However, the transactions we did with the money that we pulled out, we doubled our money. So we, we spent 13,000, but we made 100,000. So the 13,000 was totally worth it. Fast forward to today, I run that same scenario. Now the VA funding fee is on a much higher amount of money, right? A much higher amount of money. So that said, the funding fee now, based on what we feel we can do today, we just happen to be sitting on some good opportunities, some great opportunities. The VA funding fee is, is prohibitive. It's cost prohibitive. It's too high right now based on that amount. If we borrow the 530000 or even four seventy five or whatever, you can borrow up to 90% of it, that 3.3% is a huge number right now. It just doesn't make sense for us at the whole game. And here's the other thing you got to consider. The mortgage we have on it now is a 30-year mortgage at 3.5% uh, interest, 3.5%. That's almost free money, ladies and gentlemen, 3.5%. So you can see that 3.5% interest rate. Now, okay, let's go back to 2014 when we bought it in 2014 or 2015. In 2015, the mortgage interest rate was uh, 5%. In 2017, we dropped the interest rate to 3.5%. That's a huge savings, and that all goes to offset that VA funding fee. So at the time, that made great sense to do that. Then we could take the, the proceeds of that, that was tax-free proceeds, and roll them into more property, you know, and make us ourselves additional revenue. Fast forward to 2018, we're dealing with a higher value of property, significantly higher. That funding fee and closing costs are much higher, and the interest rate is going to go up considerably. The interest rates have gone up, folks. They're talking about 4.6% or 4.5%, so we're going up a full percentage point. If you do the math, and this is my opinion, and only my opinion, if you do the math, I'm not sitting, I'm sitting on, oh, we're always looking at different opportunities, but let's be honest, the market is what the market is. We've been focused on other things. We're starting into the land business, and the cost of funds don't make sense right now. So we're not going to pull that equity. I know some of you are going, Tyler, what are you, crazy? You're walking away from another $150,000. But you got to look at the cost of funds. What does that money cost you? And that's the thing you have to focus on, ladies and gentlemen. you got to do all the math. Okay, you got to look at that. Now, on the other side, on the flip side, maybe like a home equity line of credit, maybe that would make sense. And we'll see, but we want to leverage the, the revenue if we can so that we can put that money into additional properties. Now, don't be typical American, ladies and gentlemen. When you buy your first property, let's say you've gone to the mastermind, you understand, you, you've actually paid attention, you've, you've applied yourself, you've done the work, now you're doing the exact same thing I'm doing. You're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year just sitting on your butt doing nothing, uh, owning property. You have to make sure that the money that you use is used effectively. It's used to make more money. So let's say this, if you're, if your cost of funds, let's say it costs you 7% to borrow money, say there's a 4% interest rate, you got a funding fee built in there, some closing costs. You got to add up all the costs, ladies and gentlemen, the closing costs do count. You add up all that and figure out, okay, if the money's going to be out in the street for 10 years, 15 years, whatever it winds up being, 
what is that cost of funds? You have to apply that to what you're going to make from the new investment, and you have to be pretty darn sure about that. So my point is, if, you're, if your cost of funds is 7% and your return is 6%, <laughs> that's a problem. You're losing 1%. If you're out there flipping houses with home equity money, then you're just not smart. Okay, That just not, doesn't make good sense. So for us, right now, doing a cash-out refinance does not make sense because it is cost-prohibitive. The, the cost of doing the, the transaction are too high, so we're not going to do it. However, we still have the equity. It's not like the equity is disappearing just yet. We know it's going to. It's going to go bye-bye. But we're only going to leverage the property responsibly because, after all, we could pull the equity out and buy another duplex or triplex, probably pay cash for it, and all that cash flow would come flowing back to us. However we have to take out the amount of money that we need for the debt service of that additional loan, if that makes sense. So ladies and gentlemen, there's a hundred different ways to skin a cat and hope this episode shows you that this type of investing doesn't make sense for everybody. Don't just run out and get a mortgage because they'll let you have one. They said, Oh, you're approved. Congratulations. That's great. Well, guess what? I'm not willing to be approved unless the numbers make sense. Therefore, don't just borrow money because they give it to you. There's all kinds of unsecured lines of credit in the whole nine yards uh, going on right now. So you got to be responsible when you're leveraging and make sure that the cost of funds is not does not exceed what your potential returns can be. And be conservative on your returns, ladies and gentlemen. Otherwise, you get over leveraged and you wind up falling into a version of what happened in 07 and 08. People went out and borrowed more money than what made sense for their investments. They over leveraged their properties. And when you do that, you put yourself in potential peril of winding up in a bad situation. Let's say the deal goes bad. If I take the money out of this property and I go put it into another investment property and that, for whatever reason, that investment fails, well, here's the problem. I now have too much debt on this building for comfort, which means I'm, I would lose the, that cash flow, that extra money I would lose on this property. So ladies and gentlemen, be smart about how you're borrowing money. If you get stuck when it comes down to doing the math on this, get on my calendar, okay? Get on my calendar. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash book, Tyler. Pick a 15-minute slot, and let's talk about it, okay? Let's talk about what you're going to do before you jump off that cliff. Please do not go out there just because they're willing to give you the money and over-leverage your properties. Don't get yourself into hot water. Don't use hard money to buy rental property. That's silly. The cost of funds needs to be worthwhile for you to even consider leveraging that equity. Otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, it's doing you a favor. This is the one thing I will agree with Dave Ramsey on is that absolutely to avoid bad debt. Do not go into any debt that costs you money. In every situation when you borrow money, the borrowed money should be making you a significant amount more than what your, what your cost of funds is or it's not worth it. That means credit cards, forget it. You need to cut up your credit cards and get out of debt. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave it right there. A short episode this week. I want to thank you for taking the time. If you get stuck, please reach out. Again, mailboxmoneymastermind.com. The doors are open. Mailboxmoneymastermind.com. Now is the time. Get over to that website. Check out everything that's included. Get on the phone with me. Let's talk about it. See if you're a good fit for the program. If you're ready to get off your ass and take action, move to the next level. You're ready to work with Jill and I through 2019 to get you on track and get you financially free and get you out of that rush hour traffic that you're sitting in right now, then head over to mailboxmoneymastermind.com. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. I will catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. 
Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.